2: Congratulations on the win. I would like to ask you how big boost you get from a
1: performance like this and how important is uh, presence of Carl Anthony Towns to you? What you say? How big boost you get from your performances and how big, uh, um, uh, how important is presence of Carl Anthony Towns
0: to you on and off the court? How big boost do you get from um, my performance like you had tonight and you were plus 15 and then... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, playing with Cat is great. You know what I'm saying? Cause they gotta, <laughs> they gotta respect him. He can shoot the, the cub off the ball. Like, right? so I tell him every time, pop. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Shot on Score North and ScoreNorth.com.
2: <laughs> I love that. How about Cat well, going to the well, stat well, sheet well, too, though, to say you were plus 15 because of me?
0: Was it that hard to understand? Wasn't that hard to understand? Oh, it wasn't that ant was Ant was just kind of like squinting as eyes, like I've never heard an accent before. What is happening? You know what's great though? <laughs> Can Aunt, I get out more? I guess
2: Ant makes that funny. Like you know, there'd be some some guys who would be sort of abrupt about it and mad that they couldn't hear the question or something, or didn't
0: know what the guy was saying. Yeah, this is a waste of my time. Exactly. Yeah, I love Aunt. I love Ant
2: because he makes that fun. Still,
0: he's like, oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, but cat, yeah, cat leans over. He's like. Hey, hey, uh, <laughs> Now, cat, cat. You know, I feel like cat embellished the question a little yes, bit. He, he did. was like, "Hey, uh, he's asking. You know, it's got to be amazing playing with me, right? Like, look, <laughs> you, dude, you were like, a, you were a plus fifteen, and like, I had everything to do with that because I'm amazing. Just t- tell him how amazing. When I'm am still. I going to be inducted into the basketball <laughs> Hall of Fame? And you tell him the date. And can you believe the, that Mackie guy and that Judd guy? They they wanted to be traded like a week ago, and like just talk about how stupid they are.
2: Yeah. And you were a plus fifteen, <laughs> while I had fourteen rebounds. Well, I was a plus. It's just yeah. Ant's Aunt, great though, so, man. He he ma- he makes things fun for a team that hasn't had fun in how long?
0: Yeah, it is. He is a. a I think the word beacon is the word that uh, I used a couple weeks ago on the show. I mean, he. And, and and there's a huge discussion now to be had of sort of, all right, how does Ant fit in now that D'Lo is back? And D'Lo came back last night. I just I want to start the show off by not fully admitting that I was wrong because that would be too painful. It would be too painful to just flat out say I was 100% wrong. I was wrong. Um, but I feel like I personally was a little overzealous when the wolves were getting trounced and towns like – Towns is putting up all these numbers before Delo came back, and uh, it was leading to very few wins. And it had me very much questioning, is he just an empty stat guy? Is he just going to be like Kevin Love was here? Is he really meant to be the third guy? Maybe we're overrating the box score stuff with Cat. Maybe there's not enough leadership stuff there. Maybe there's not enough of a pull the rest of your teammates up as like Kevin Garnett used to do back in the day, right? And while I still believe a lot of those things about Cat, I had – I had said to you guys, I don't care at all about the D'Lo cat thing anymore. I'm just over it. Like, it's been over a year. It's been, like, 14 months. They've played five games together. I'm just sort of bored with it. I just want this to be Ant's team now going forward. I'm going to pump the brakes on that. Last night was fun to watch. And I know that D'Lo went back to, like, full D'Lo isolation ball in the fourth quarter. And it worked last night. And Ant kind of just, like, stood in the fourth quarter. or or, uh, I'm sorry, stood in the corner in the fourth quarter. The whole time, and so I'm, st- I'm still curious as to like how those two ball-dominant alpha offensive players are going to be able to share and make each other better. But last night, even though it didn't look perfect all the time, it worked, and they beat a Kings team um, that has shown some flashes. So I just want to say that when I dismissed the Cat-Delo pairing and said, I don't even care anymore, just like just move on to the next thing. I was a little overzealous with that take, all right? Just the hot take police can um can <laughs> circle back and bring me into hot take Jim. well
2: don't get don't don't be too hard on yourself when it's one game though I mean there's a lot to go here, and we have to see i my starting point is this: this is going to be and it should be ideally Carl and Ant's team, and I need Delo to fit in with that. And, and it can go three deep, that's fine, but the more I see Ant play, the more I see him learn, the more I see him uh, good and bad and be benched, which is I absolutely fine, I applaud that, because he gets it, the more I am convinced that as far as, as the success of this team, and I mean this, Phil, on and off the court, I mean this from a, a locker room standpoint as well, this i think is going to be the ant and cat show and if delo can fit into that that's awesome and he could certainly play a key role i'm not i'm not trying to say that he has to uh, go away or just take his but i think the most important thing that we're going to see here is a progression to how those three can play together but just to be very clear in my opinion it's all th- it's three and ants a incredibly important player because Ant sets a tone for this team just as far as the temperature that I'll go back to saying this again. When's when's the last time that we saw this positive of tone set? And, and I mean, he's 19, which is incredible, but I'm talking by any player. Butler sort of tried, but it went sideways really quick. And he was, Butler was so brash about it that some guys I think liked it and some guys didn't. I think Ant is the type of personality that that if you don't gravitate towards it something's wrong with you. And so that's why I do, I do think that you're right in the sense of of the day that the trade with Golden State was made, it was definitely uh Lo and Cat, we're all in, right? That's changed for sure. So I'll def- I'll defer back to what you said back um a couple weeks ago as not being completely wrong because D'Lo – Delo could have stood, or he stood in the corner in the fourth quarter last night against the Kings, but that's not his role. If, yeah, and, and if that if that makes sense, so so I I don't think that you need to apologize fully. Delo can be incorporated and can be important, but Ant to me is a linchpin type of player.
0: Yeah, well, uh, the dynamic might also change again in like three or four months. When I, I, I think the draft got moved to uh, like toward the end of July, right? It's like July 29th. Or so. They moved it back a month yeah. with just the schedule being shifted. If the Wolves keep that pick and they add a Cade Cunningham, or you know what? After watching Jalen Suggs in the Final Four, and last night it was like Jalen Suggs was like the only dude who showed up for Gonzaga in that game where they just got trounced by Baylor. Um, he seems like a heartbeat type of a player that would be really fun to have on the walls. I mean, then the dynamic could change again. So by by no means was the dynamic set when it was Cat Delo because they were clearly going to be bad enough to add another piece, and they did in Ant Edwards, and, and if they keep that pick, the dynamic isn't set then either. They might draft a point guard, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, does that mean, what does that mean? Does it mean Delo is on the outs at some point? So I think where I'm sort of at with this is that was super fun to watch last night, um, it was worth the payoff because that is exactly what we were sold, right? Which is you get the you get the pieces on the court and then the other the other piece of the puzzle here, and you know, it's just it's it's going to be a knock on Ryan Saunders no matter how you frame it. Get the pieces that are supposed to be on the court and then and then strategically put those pieces in a position to maximize themselves. And our question to Gerson Rosas when he came on the show last week was Hey, this whole D'Lo and Ant combination—if you look statistically early in the season, you know they had played like a hundred minutes or whatever it was a hundred thirty minutes on the court together, and it was the worst two-man pairing of any two-man pairing on the Wolves roster. Yeah. So what you know? What makes—and by the way, Rubio and D'Lo was a terrible statistical pairing too. So like, what is it about D'Lo, or what is it about? D'Lo and Ant that just makes it so that they can't operate together. And his answer was, well, we feel like Chris Finch is going to be able to put those guys in better situations systematically, right? X's and O's wise to maximize them. They're not, they're not going to, they're supposed to be good together on the court if given the right system and the right structure. And it was, I mean, if you could rephrase it, it was Ryan didn't know what he was doing with those guys. We think Chris Finch does. Mm -hmm. And so, even though the season is lost and we would prefer them to lose more games than win, so they can keep uh, in the bottom three and get the the top lottery percentage. I would love to see some progress among those three so that you can kind of know going into the summer one way or the other, one way or the other, it would be nice to know going into the summer. Are you building around these three guys or does one of them have to go? Right. And then it'll help you know who you should draft if you keep your pick.
2: Yeah. And my guess is that that we're not going to get that uh, because I think what you're going to need with when Chris Finch came in is a training camp to sort of get things together to see because I mean his system is probably what's fair 30% installed 25% like there's no way to come in and and with no practice time install what you uh, schematically want to do so my guess is we're going to need a full training camp into next year. The tough thing about wanting them to lose, because I am Dr. Tank, um, the difficult thing about that one is losing's fine, but I'm with you on progress. Like, you don't want them sucking does you no good. Like, it it gets you closer to the pick, I guess, and keeping it. That's a good thing. But as far as, like, this is a core group that you should see something from now. Like it's not, it's not. Uh, well, there's still eight players away, and these guys are all G leaguers, and they stay. Yeah,
0: so, these are the three main dudes. Exactly, these are the three main dudes. Exactly.
2: So yeah. there's so there's no so there's no real grand upside as far as they go to being awful. Mm-hmm. It's a yep. weird it's it's a weird tightrope because you want the losses, you definitely want to keep the pick, but you also don't want them to to not develop a chemistry.
0: Yep. Dex. Let's hear more from the post game here. I know you've got a few uh, clips. You got Chris Finch. You got more from Ant and Cat. So let's uh, let's hear more from the triumphant Timberwolves. This gotcha is uh, nice win.
1: Anthony Edwards talking about Delo's return.
2: Listen, <laughs> the man. Cat and Delo scores the ball. So when they come back, I, I don't feel pressure when they gone. When they back, I never feel pressure. I love this game. This is what I've been doing my whole life. Uh, I feel like I'm pretty good at it. Uh, so I never feel pressured when I'm on the floor. I just have fun, and,
0: and I'm just blessed to be out there to have fun with my brothers. That's it, dude. I, I I I wish that that we could like produce the the i heart emojis on me right now. This is me <laughs> just like every you know time. Aunt Edwards talks like dude. I I love that guy. <laughs>
2: He's awesome. Do you know Do you know what he is? And Gerson said this to us last week. Gerson said. He's learning. He's really raw. And then I think the last part of his statement was he's a football player playing basketball. Ant is, and I mean this in a good way Ant is a wide receiver or a defensive back in terms of like cockiness. And I love it. And he's so self assured. Like, he he reminds me of a of, uh, skill position player in football.
0: He really does as far as... But he his, does, but but not in like... it. Like when I think of receivers, I think yeah, super confident, cocky, but, but I also feel like they're covering up for their own insecurities and then sometimes they lash out at their teammates because they aren't getting the ball. But let, and he's not that. But
2: let me th- throw this at you regarding the the discussion on receivers. What have we always said is their problem? They're insecure because they don't control the ball. Like, they need the quarterback. And so they're always like, I can do more because of this, right? If you had a receiver who who played basketball and could control his fate, I think the the attitude of that player might be different. And that's how Ant, Ant just comes off, and I love it, but he comes off, like to me, way more of a football type of cocky, but fun and brash. Um, but it remi- it reminds me of of a receiver if you allow them to actually throw themselves the football because yeah. there's a confidence there.
0: Do we have any more ant clips? I just I just want to watch Ant talk confidently as a 19 year old and bring sunshine and a heartbeat to the organization.
1: I
2: love how he leans back too. We
1: have a uh, we have Cat talking about Ant's development. I think we might have another one digging in here, but I'll, I'll play this one to start. He's the rookie of
0: the year. I mean, I don't know what else to say. You know, he's proven in history books. He's proven that. To his teammates, and he's proven it to this league, I believe. Uh, he's proven why he was picked number one. He's the most special special talent in that draft class. And it's, you know, it's not close, in my opinion. So, like I said before, we made the right decision. I'm not saying it's just because he's right here, but because that's the fact. Ain't no that, you know, Captain, he, that he's the best, and he's the best of the best.
1: Okay, so we, we do have Good. one more, wait, really quick. We have one more ant clip, but shout out to our producer, Jason. He put explicit in the parentheses. So there is an explicit in this clip that, that I can load in here, but just just fair warning. Even though we're we're now mostly podcast, but there is an explicit. I don't know if you wanna to, want to play it or not.
0: What do you How explicit is it? I haven't listened to it. He clearly doesn't know. Let's do let's let's save it for maybe next time and uh because we, we'll screen even it, we off can't the get it. We can't get in trouble. We do clip some of these things for the radio and the company would prefer that we stay above FCC board. So sure. What if we hear – let's hear from Chris Finch on Delo's first game back, unless he dropped a couple F-bombs in here. Maybe. Well, I guess Hold we'll find out. find out. We'll find out. I thought the shots he took for the most part in his first run on the floor were good shots. Um, they were – you know, he was always going to be rusty finding his timing. Uh, he had a great cut to the basket when they doubled Cat in the post. Uh, you know, just some good, good moments where he just kind of got off the ball early on offense at the right time. Uh, and then, you know, we were able to play with him and Cat. Uh, in some splits at the top of the floor down the stretch, where you know he he was able to read the defense and get some separation. I will tell you, uh, you know that your Wolves psyche is fragile after years and years and years of just being pounded on as a Wolves fan. Yeah. When they can beat Sacramento and basically just like give cliche answers in a post game press conference, and I'm sitting here like, oh yes, injected into my veins, <laughs> Sacramento, yes. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, it last night was, uh, was fun to watch and it was, it was good to see the three main star players operating fairly well together and winning a game. That is the blueprint. By the way, our Wolves discussions here today are powered by our friends and the Wolves friends, Federated Insurance. So Federated has been helping business owners in the state of Minnesota for over a hundred years. They've been a partner throughout the years of the Timberwolves. And uh, I can tell you there's a full list of industries that Federated protects on their website. You can find out how they can help your business at federatedinsurance.com. MyShield is a tool that they just recently launched as well in the last few months that can help your business. So peace of mind, risk management tools. Federated's been doing it for a long, long time. And just a bunch of great, smart people working over there, a bunch of charitable people. So find out more at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Any final Wolves thoughts for yeah, you I got guys a question before we for transition you. to uh, the best team in baseball? Not back. In my mind, anyways. Not back
2: next year. Kogi, Culver, or both?
0: Culver's gone for sure. Seven minutes I last mean, do, night. I mean, did you see how quick that dude got yanked after? for 1.
2: <laughs> yeah, Six seven minutes days. last night. He got seven. Uh, Kogi started uh, and was two for three from the field. But,
0: my God, so he Culver, Culver's he one of the either. biggest... Clover is one of the biggest busts in franchise history. Whoa, a franchise- whoa! Whoa! whoa.
2: Dude, I, think that's, a fran- no, I think that's that's accurate. Dude. No, but, I mean, think. yes, it's fine to say, but think about... Okay, the Mount Rushmore. You got to go Mount Rushmore. Wow. All right, hold on.
0: Hot Take Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of sports talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in Hot Take Court. Wow! All right, I need to pull up a list. here. Yeah, you gotta but, like, go. I mean, you gotta
2: Mount Rushmore. No, I'm. I'm not. I'm not debating you. I'm saying that that statement puts him in in rare air. Does it though? Well,
0: <laughs> think a, about a the bus. A Wolves draft bus. Yes. Oh, I see what you're saying. I'm,
2: okay. I'm. saying. Think about the bus in franchise history. Like yeah. you have a glorious
0: list. All right. So so he. Let's see if he's on the Mount Rushmore here. Let let's just start in recent history, okay? We're right, gonna I'll go fir- first round only. And we're in, and it's gotta be top ten picks only. I yes. mean, like Okogi's Kogi's kind of a bust, but yeah, he was a he was the twentieth pick. Yeah. Well, it happened. Was it Derek Williams? Mm. Derrick Williams. Let's so let you you keep track of these judges and we'll about, start on Mount, right Mount Okay. So Jared Culver, mm-hmm. Derek Williams, mm-hmm. Chris Dunn. mm mm-hmm. Johnny Flynn. Mm-hmm johnny flynn i'd say yeah uh, yeah johnny flynn um you got Derek williams west johnson was a fourth overall pick yep. but you know he's stuck in the league for a while yeah
2: but he's still a wolves bust he's a bust
0: and then i think we should add um i was gonna say uh randy foy but honestly like he 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 was more productive than Jarrett Culver has been. Okay. He can score you twenty points once in a while. Okay. All right. Let's let's. That's pretty much the like of the top ten busts. That's the. the and that's the. Old... So we need we need four. How many do we have there? One, two, three, four, just five. Wes Johnson, Johnny Flynn, Chris Dunn, Jarrett Culver, Derek Williams. Uh. So for sure on that list, Johnny Flynn, Derek Williams, Jarrett yeah. Culver can't shoot. He can't shoot. Yeah. I mean, he literally can't score. So I don't know what. At least Derek Williams could fly above the rim and throw an alley oop down once in a while. Yeah, you know maybe knock a three down. So Culver Flynn Williams, and then who are the other two again? Dunn and West Johnson. I don't think Dunn. Uh, pro- probably Chris Dunn. You think so? He's. I mean, West West Johnson yeah, I mean, stuck in the league for like eight years, didn't he? I mean, I they're both garbage. It'd be
2: fun. <laughs> it'd be fun to go back and do an all-time wolves uh, wolves top ten. It'd be fun. Pe- oh yeah.
1: Are you kidding? You These tra- exercises. They, they traded up too. They traded up to get Culver. Well, they, they, they traded Sarich. They wanted they? some.
2: They wanted somebody else. He went like one or two picks before them, and they took Culver and tried to sell it as, "Oh,
0: we're we're still very happy." Yeah, dude, it is. Uh, it's rough for him. Yeah, he got he got hooked real quick. He uh, couldn't handle couldn't hang. Def- I mean, if you can't hang defensively yeah. too, and you so he couldn't shoot, hang defensively. I mean, I no, I don't know what, I don't know what's happening with him. Mm. So, well, um, the other thing that happened yesterday. Twins, and we'll get to Wild, too. Uh, we've got a got an interesting Vegas angle on uh, the Minnesota Wild. But the Twins put a hurt on the Detroit Tigers yesterday. Uh, they improved, what now, to 3-1 and one on the season. Should be 4-0, no, if not for a messy ninth inning against the Brew Crew. Juggernaut. Uh, and here comes Pat. Thanks, Patches Patrick. Patches did the same thing little, to me. He opened the door. Fillet. Brought me a chicken sandwich.
2: Thanks, Pat. Thank I appreciate you.
0: that. Yeah, I mean, Pat's welcome to participate <laughs> in the uh, talking twins segment. I think he's going to go do a thing yeah, with. I, th- I think he's about Chris hit, Reavers do,
1: Reavers and do some talking twins, but yeah, so, just, sa- just so
0: some san- Santa Pat show. just came in and we dropped got, off a bunch. We of got
2: sandwiches, toys. outdoor b- barbecue thing, uh, grill going today at Hubbard big here, time. big time. Oh, we are back. Yeah, yeah.
0: I want to tell you guys, I'm getting my vaccine tomorrow. Nice. Uh, I'm getting uh, mine Friday, Washington. Okay, I'm finally getting mine on Friday. We're finally turning the corner. Judd's gonna be able to go back to bars. Belly and you know up with bunnies going? here in a couple weeks. And do you know How's where I'm going yesterday? to get mine? Where I was picked to go? Bunnies. Does bunnies have vaccines? <laughs> no. <laughs> TCO Performance
2: Center. So, so I can <laughs> well, do some insighting while my sleeve is up. I can maybe do some you inciting. and
0: Arla- well, you and Orlando Brown Jr. will both be getting hey Rick, your vaccines. Rick, Rick, give me give me the prick. No. give me the prick, Rick. Just oh, give me oh, it right stop, now. Stop. Declan's uh, like just injected in
2: okay. my veins right here. here. Dex you just went too far. <laughs> I I can't take that.
0: Oh, oh man. Um, boys, here's my question for you today. So Nelson Cruz, <laughs> uh, you know, and 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 before we get to Nelson Cruz actually, Major League Baseball just wants you to know if you thought Nelson Cruz was fun to watch as a hitter, wait till you see pitchers hit in the National League. Wait till you see a double switch. Maeda. No, we, didn't, we, didn't, you, we didn't need to showcase Nelson hey, Cruz on, in the first on, week of the series.
2: Kanto with that bunt on Thursday. Didn't, moved the guy. God. They scored a
0: runoff. Didn't off event. See? It gorgeous.
1: Jake Arrieta taking BP all swole yesterday? I mean, come on. They, like, where else are you going to find a guy like Jake Arrieta who looks super <laughs> jacked and can hit some baseballs, man, in the
2: nine spot? Where are you going to find that? He's still jacked, Cheers. but He's not good now.
0: <laughs> dude. So, uh, Nelson Cruz, a couple of bombs yesterday, a couple Tata's, a little double down the line, just ridiculous. He actually almost hit a third home run off of a position player that was pitching yesterday. Uh-huh. Who was that position player that was just late? Like, a lot of times the position players comes in, uh, they come in, and it's like their shining moment. Like, Drew B. Terry, no. he's like, I'm going to throw 90 miles an hour in a Major League Baseball game. This dude looked as disinterested in throwing pitches as He was just throwing, like, sidearm 72-mile-an-hour saucers, and Nelson Cruz almost hit one out of the ballpark. That was kind of fun to watch. Uh, But Nelson Cruz now has 178 home runs after the age of 35. Is Nelson Cruz among the greatest non-Barry Bonds old players in recent baseball history? I mean, can you guys think of, like, Jim Tomey was good after the age of 35. David Ortiz was good after the age of 35. I mean, he's in that mix as one of the great yeah. hitters after the age of 35 of all time. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, he he's in the Ortiz bin. Uh Tommy was still good, but Tommy was I I felt I felt like towards the end there, you know, he could pinch hit some, but the, the incredible thing with Cruz is he's on July 1st of this year, he's going to be 41. He's still going strong. Yeah. Like he's not slowing down. I like what have you seen besides the fact that he that he can't run, and cl- clearly his days of playing the field are done. Like, what have you seen at the plate where you are like, uh oh, that's a problem.
0: Like this, nothing. He, the closest he's a comp, hitter.
2: <laughs> the closest comp I can come to, and, and I feel like Cruz is in is in far better shape. But Ortiz's last year in Boston, like he he walked away still at the plate on top. Like he was great mm-hmm. that last. He could have come back and played, and he didn't. Um, But I feel like Cruz is a more complete package as far as being in condition, as far as continuing to play. I honestly don't know. I keep waiting for a year to start, and he starts to go off that cliff, right? Like, there's just some telltale signs. Incredible thing with this guy at 40. I haven't seen it. So, yes, the, the answer to your question is, yes, he is in the mix for the most impressive baseball players I have seen after the age of 40.
0: So here is a list of the most home runs hit age 35 and later in baseball history. Nelson Cruz is 11th in climbing and he still has the entire season. He's going to hit like 30 more this year. So by the way, if he hits even 30 more this year, he will jump up over 200. If he hits if he hits 30 more this year, he will jump into third on this list. Wow. He's 11th right now. He has a chance to be third on this list. Mm-hmm. Barry Bonds hit 317 home runs after the age of 35. <laughs> Had a little help, <laughs> a little I mean, help. Nelson, <laughs> Nelson <laughs> Cruz had some help before the age of 35 yes, for did. sure well we know that we think no we know that he had some help oh, before I, the age of 35. oh I thought he was I I thought he was suspected and got suspended off of the suspect off of the uh I think he tested the the testing policy came in in like 05 okay I think he tested positive okay and missed a half season uh Hank Aaron hit 245 home runs after the age of 35 Mm-hmm. Rafael Palmero and Andres Galaraga both hit each about 200 home runs and Rafael Palmero has never pointed into the camera and said I have never done steroids in my life. Uh, Galarraga also played in Coors Field in like the heyday of yeah. pop flies going out for home runs in the middle. On the big cat, right? man. I love the big cat. Good hitter. Babe Ruth is on this list with 198 home runs after the age of 35. Okay. Hot dogs helped him. Yep. And beer. Yeah. He was snort, chopping up hot dog meat and snorting it between doubleheaders. You got a problem with that? Sounds okay. great. <laughs> I could eat hot new dogs You ate him at Target Field 100%. this year. Yeah. Hot Zachary dog That
2: sounds good. Yeah. Uh, my high yeah. <laughs> hot dogs.
0: <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> uh, Daryl Evans is on this list. He played for really? the Giants in the 80s. No, yeah. the uh, Red Sox. Really? Daryl Evans? Okay. Or Giants? Oh. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Carlton Fisk, David Ortiz, Ted Williams, Jim Tomy, and then Nelson Cruz is on this list. So like, think about all the Hall of Famers that are on this list of being that great after the age of 35. I think, I think what he's doing as a twin is putting him in the Hall of Fame conversation when it's all said and done. I don't think he was regarded as a Hall of Famer before he got to the Twins. But how great he's been with the Twins legitimately puts him in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame discussion. It's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, I, I think like unfortunately with the politics of the steroids, like it'll unless unless we just like change up how we go about that. I still still think he has an outside chance of getting in. But I do agree that what he's doing in just three years with the Twins, I mean, fifty nine home runs in one hundred and seventy seven games. That's pretty dang insane. But it's definitely helping his status. It's not hurting him more. I'm,
2: I'm looking here at his suspension, just because I was. Curious. It looks like he and eleven guys were implicated in the in the uh, biogenesis thing that came out years ago, in two thousand thirteen ish or so, and they accepted suspensions. So it's sort of a hmm. weird. It's like sort a of plea, yeah. But I mean, it's sort of one of those things where, to Dex's point, when it comes time to vote for the Hall of Fame, it probably will be used against him. But you could also make a case that he was basically implicated. But I don't think they. I don't think they found out that they were truly guilty. They just sort of knew that they were. So I I don't know. Are are we going to get to the point ever where, as the voting changes for the Hall, that we get past this and that some guys who are Hall of Fame talents start to get in? Like, I'm not saying that I would put the entire class of, of guys who have been caught or implicated in. But, you know, the Bonds thing, to me, always comes back to being a really interesting case because when he clearly was not yet using steroids he was a hall of fame player yep like there's no there's no doubt about his talent
0: i mean put it this way major league baseball didn't care major league baseball they may have had some loose rules that said this is legal this isn't legal they didn't have a testing policy i don't mm-hmm. even think they had a suspension policy they didn't i mean did any players get suspended at all like there were there were they players that literally had steroids in their lockers with reporters around in the 90s No, And it was like, oh, what's that big bottle of what's that called, Andro? And McGuire's like, oh, let's just put that in the back of it. I'm going to turn this around. It's It's aspirin. (laughs) It's aspirin. I'm taking two. (laughs) I mean, that's literally what happened. No one cared. And so, like, why is it that if baseball didn't care during that era, and obviously numbers are spiked and the era is sort of tainted, but, like, why do writers care so much? I've always just thought it was way too hard for writers to try and police what did and didn't happen, 100%. who did and didn't do it, and then yeah. what was the effect but, versus not. You know, just let, Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez, steroids or not, should be in Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame, in my opinion. And if you want to put a note on the plaque or something, how can you celebrate or how can you not celebrate? How can you talk about the history of baseball and how can you have like a shrine in the middle of outstate New York to baseball? and then not have some of the great players from an albeit tainted era. And I get like our old friend Rami used to just oh, bang on the desk and I say he's if you're right a cheater, now. if you're a cheater, you're a cheater. Yeah. And cheaters don't deserve to get in. Um and to which I would say, "All right, what if you're a cheater and you already got in and we find out? Do we have to take your bust out of the Hall of Fame?" Like it's all just I don't know, it's all very pretentious. Well,
2: me. but the common sense vote, right? L- like l- let's remove our our um biases and let's just go with the common sense vote. Barry Bonds, Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Roger Clemens, Hall of Fame. Like if you want to debate Sosa, that's fine. McGuire, that's fine. But I mean, there's a few. There's there's a select few of these players who are Hall of Famers by common sense. Where and they might have been jerks, I don't know. And you know what? I don't care. Um, but they are Hall of Fame players, and they were they were that the day that they stepped on a baseball field. Like Barry Bonds, when, when he was in Pittsburgh, was tracking to be one of the best players of all time probably. And and he stuck around beyond what he probably ordinarily could have because of steroids. I understand that. And d- does that taint his statistics? Absolutely it does. But that doesn't make him not a Hall of Fame talent. Now, now if you want to get into Sosa, I'll
0: go there, okay?
2: because if Sosa doesn't use steroids,
0: I don't know. He might not be. He he put, he also just wasn't the all-around great no, he player was that not. Barry Bonds was. He
2: was not. But I will always come back to this. The summer of 98, baseball was basically saved. Because the the strike in 94 was deadly and people didn't come back. Like fans didn't come back. And and the person who or one of the people who benefited the most from the summer of 98 was Bud Selig, who is in the hall of fame. And are you telling me the commissioner of baseball had no clue? And you know what? If I had been in Bud's shoes, I would have said the same thing that Bud probably said. He was probably told at some point, these guys are huge. We all think they're using steroids. And if Bud was smart, which he probably was, he said, you know what? That's a great point. I'm going to file this file in my desk drawer and shred it before I go home today. And he's <laughs> in true. the Hall of Fame. And you know, I'm fine with that too. But yeah, I just like as Nelson Cruz. Are we going to like exclude him from even consideration because he was part of the of of the biogenesis findings? We don't know how much he used we but like is that going to when they sit when people sit down to vote eventually for him? Are they not going to consider him based on
0: that one thing? Because, yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Most people, most voters. Yes, but most I mean, voters are going to keep him out.
2: But I mean, at some point in time, I would think that there's going to be a new a new class or a slew of people who vote who are going to see this differently than the current guard does, or a lot of them I do. will
0: say, I think he needs to get to 500 career home runs to even have sure. a chance. I think because he's been a designated hitter, and I there's agree. just a certain bar you have to clear. I mean, Tommy got to 600 home runs, yeah. and even then I think a lot of people were still a little on the fence with him. So, um, yeah, he needs 81 more home runs to get to 500, and then it becomes somewhat of a discussion. And then it just kind of depends on how do people view the the biogenesis situation. What else in that game stood out to you guys before we uh, before we get to Mackie and Judd play the odds on this Tuesday? The
2: Detroit Tigers are an affront to the sport of baseball. They are AJ Hinch, man. Hey, look, you know what? As a baseball fan, as a Twins fan, you should be ecstatic about what I'm about to say. But as a baseball fan, I feel absolutely, positively robbed that that Hinch who. Yes, I don't know how much he knew about the garbage can thing. He probably knew a ton, but I still think he's good. That A.J. Hinch is not in the dugout of the Chicago White Sox. Because A.J. Hinch with that group in Chicago, I think, would be a great fit. And I think it would Mm -hmm. be fun to watch. And I know Twins fans are like, no, and that's fine. But just as a baseball fan, I would have loved to have seen A.J. Hinch get his hands on the White Sox roster. And instead, he is stuck with... Second baseman, Harold Castro, having to go out to pitch the ninth. That's your guy who was slopping it up there. Um, And, like, Detroit, in in fact, I I heard this on the postgame show yesterday. There was, in the starting lineup for the Tigers in Monday's game, you guys, there was not one single player, I believe they said, who who was drafted by the Tigers. So, like, right now, it's all, they've got, like, three former twins, They've got a bunch of scrubs. They've got – and there are players coming up, so they should be improved eventually. But the point is right now, this is a terrible collection of baseball players.
0: Yeah, it, I'm looking at the – I mean, so Robbie Grossman, journeyman. Scope, Scope was
2: at first, I think. He's a former Oriole Scope, twin.
0: Wilson Ramos drafted by the Twins. Goodrum. Or signed by the Twins, right. Yeah, Nico, Nico Goodrum was a second-round pick by the Twins. Uh, Nomar Mazzara came up with the, the White Rangers Sox. organization. And then the White Sox, right? Yep, he spent a year at the White Sox. Uh, I, I I love that they dusted off Derek Holland. Yeah. Just like the freaking, the the lefty that will never go away, apparently. That dude was, uh, he was a, a prospect like 11 years ago in the Rangers organization. I think he might have pitched in the World Series in I 2010 did. or 11, somewhere yeah. in there. So uh, the other thing I think that stood out for me in that game yesterday is just, the the brilliance of keeping Williams Astadio on the roster and the fact that he's off to a hot start. He can play almost any position. You can just sort of plug him in at catcher or an infield spot if you need to, and he can kind of figure it out. So I was I was starting to sour on our guy La Tortuga, but he is a really valuable Swiss Army knife ninja player when you keep having guys go down with mysterious illnesses and hamstring injuries. So good on the twins for uh, for keeping him on the roster. And then uh, good for Brent Rooker for avoiding the O for 6 in a God. game in which his team, he finally he poked a ball to the outfield in his fifth or sixth that back yesterday. Guy. He's my guy. That's He's Declan's my guy. guy,
1: He came up to the plate. I think the bases were loaded, oh, or maybe boy. there's a runner at second and third, and this is his first A-B. He gets ahead in the count, 2-0, and 0, and then just takes three of the most hideous hacks in the world and goes <laughs> down. Just awful hacks. Like the pitch, I forget it was starting for the Tigers. It was, you know, whomever. And he get he like he can't find the zone, and then he just throws three slap balls that Brooker just is in front of, in front of, in front of, and uh, yeah, it was. It you was wanted rough. him. I did. You, I you still crapped want him. on Kyle I, Garlic every chance and where you is got. Kyle Garlic,
2: he's had like one plate appearance so far. Great in the clubhouse. Okay? Oh, I bet he's, he's okay, a great yeah. clubhouse guy. Okay. I hear great happy things about Kyle. him behind
0: the scenes. Yeah, happy he roped Kyle. one yesterday. I don't know what more you want from him. Oh sure. Uh, on the on the pitching front, Matt Shoemaker, who has mostly just been injured the last like six years, actually his whole career. Matt Shoemaker was really good through six, and then Randy Dobnak with uh, with a very gutsy uh, three inning save for the Twins yesterday. The end of that was great performance. The end by of him. that was um, not a save. Not Got a save. He got a save. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he did get a save. How about that flaw in baseball's statistical oh, formula? Yeah. Three so innings. If you pitch, if you pitch the last three innings yeah. in relief, yeah, regardless of of how much your team is leading by. So in this case, fifteen to one. Yeah, you get a save.
2: <laughs> okay, so here's the so so baseball, again a sport I love. The save rule was, I believe it was written up and established in 1969 by Jerome Holtzman, a legendary um, a baseball writer for the Chicago Tribune. Okay, think about this. Think about when closer started. Like, it was normal to come in. The fireman. The fi- the fireman was the fireman because he came in for, like, long periods of time. Like, you know, Raleigh Fingers would come in and pitch three without giving it a thought, right? We're still operating. I mean, th- this is the incredible thing. With all of the, the analytics and statistics that we now have, we are still operating with the save rule, which in arbitration remains incredibly important, I'm sure, as is from 1969.
0: Yeah. Think about uh, that and for a second. And Tony La Russa still abides by it uh, <laughs> by the, by the book. Did you Keep got your best reliever on the bench until your team has a lead?
2: Did you guys see what transpired in the Phillies Mets game last night in mm. which the Phillies rallied for a 5-3 win? Okay. So, I will fully admit, I believe this was his first appearance, but I've had my doubts about this move and it didn't work last night for sure. Our old friend Trevor May came in. Oh, no. From the bullpen against the Phillies. DeGrom, by the way, had gone six, given up three hits, no runs, two walks, seven strikeouts, so a great start. Trevor May comes in as the second reliever out of the bullpen for the Mets. One-third of an inning, two hits, three runs, two earned, one walk, one strikeout, and the loss. I just don't know, and I mean, I might be proved totally wrong here, okay? But from the second he signed that deal, with just how he thinks and operates, and sort of melts down at times, I don't know that New York is the right market for Trevor May.
0: Was it, Was he? Uh, was he gaming after the game? Oh boy, here we go.
2: I'm trying to have a serious discussion, and you're just taking cheap shots at
0: Do you think at any point during that crooked number outing, do you think he was thinking about gaming? Of course. Oh man, there's a runner on first right now. <laughs> but I'm really hmm. wonder if I can get to level seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't... wondering. How, how do you think he's going to take... I mean, they're
2: covered by, like, 25 reporters.
0: It wasn't as bad as our guy Kyle Gibson's oh, start on ooh. opening day. Last week, Gibby. I think he got one out and gave up, like, five runs and he got opening like, day starter, right? Did yeah. you
2: did you guys see the opening pitching lines for both of yeah. those guys? It was the Royals and Rangers, and it was like fourteen to eleven. Both starters lasted
0: almost nothing. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. I'll see if I can find so, it
2: quick here because it's uh, it's a glorious pitching line. I love yeah. baseball failure. <laughs> baseball failure is almost more fun than baseball success. <laughs> you like
0: all failures. You're, you're, you know you, what though? I especially you're the, the most. In- uh, You're such an ambulance chaser. Yeah. I mean, yeah,
2: it's a rubbernecker.
0: What's wrong with that? And then we get sucked into your vortex of negativity and pessimism. Okay, first of all, people think we're all negative. Declan and I are very much homers. Declan and I are very much feel good vibes, guys. And we get lumped into your radius of negativity. First
2: of all, it was 14 to 10. The Chiefs beat the Texans. Okay, It was the Royals 14, the Rangers 10. Okay. So so Brad Keller starts for KC. One and one-third, nine hits, six runs, all earned, two walks, he's out. That's bad. Oof. That's bad. Uh, Gibby said, hold my beer, one-third of an inning, four hits, five runs, all earned, <laughs> three walks, one strikeout.
0: Oh, my gosh. And I think
2: they used, like, a combined 14 or 15 pitchers between the two teams.
0: Aggressive. Aggressive. Enjoy. Well, Hopefully, hopefully there's a. Well, Judd doesn't hope, but like hopefully there's a bounce back for our guy Gibby. Judd just wants him to no. melt down all the time. Oh, it's more he melts down. There. It's a great box score. And I love box. Judd's scores. like, I hope he melts down again and then gets cut and then goes broke. Like that's where no! Judd's mind is at. No, I'm not like, rooting.
2: I'm rooting for people to fail, not not to be destitute. <laughs>
0: Um, I think Declan found a new sounder for what we're gonna we're gonna start calling this. So we you know we're not we're not the biggest sports gambling guys in terms of putting our money where our mouths are, but we are very interested in the sports gambling world. And so uh, we're gonna call this we're gonna we're gonna dust this off once a week or so. Mackie and Judd play the odds. There you like go. I get Mackie and Judd play <laughs> um, the odds. Money. <laughs> Um, so we're gonna we're gonna take a look at what Vegas and other sports betting properties are saying about our Minnesota teams. Just sort of get the get the vibe from the Sharks and the Pros and uh, some of the sports books to see. And so the Wild last night they they attempted their best furious rallies effort. They uh, they came within one goal in the final minute of that game last night, but they uh, they eventually succumbed to the best team in the NHL, Colorado. So right now, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, I'm going to give you, in order, the teams that are most likely to win the Cup. And you guys tell me if you agree or disagree with where the wild fall, according to Vegas. All right? All right. And by the way, um, I think this was updated after last night's game. I don't know how much one game would affect this, but I think this is recently updated as of last night's game here. Colorado, three and a half to one. They're three fifty. Yeah. Tampa Bay Lightning, plus 600. Mm -hmm. So six to one. Vegas, eight to one. Toronto, nine to one. Carolina, thirteen to one. Stop me if I get to a team that you think, oh my god, Object. the Wilds have a better chance than that team. Okay. New York Islanders, fourteen to one.
2: That's Dex's my club. Team. Yeah, my team. Dex loves that team. My preseason pick. They're
0: Pretty boring, but he loves them. Mm-hmm. The Canadians and the Capitals both fifteen to one. The Florida Panthers, eighteen to one. And then the Wild, right in there, also at eighteen to one, along with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay, do I've, you feel like the Wild are being snubbed as well as they've been playing, and as they've been playing some of the top teams, tough and beating Vegas, right? Yeah. Are they getting snubbed here, according to DraftKings Sportsbook?
2: Not really snubbed. They're getting, I think, Declan a little bit left behind. In I think they're as good or better than Montreal, so I, I would put them. Yeah. I would put them up. But I, I mean, that's what three spots, Phil. So, yes. so they're not, no, no, they're, they're not being screwed. It, it, it's not, it's not um, terrible odds. I would say that they should be about the same as the Canadians. That'd yeah. be fair.
1: The Florida's really hot right now, just like the wild are. So I can understand why people are starting to buy in on Florida. But even then I, I would say I would put the wild ahead of Florida. I'd put the wild ahead of Florida a hundred percent. Like, and I'm looking at the same list you are too, Phil. I mean, the it's Bruins, very
0: heavy on Eastern Conference yeah, they, teams here. That's by the really least. shocking, by um, the way.
1: They have the same odds the Penguins. Penguins are in a real tough division, a tough spot to get there. They have a better odds than the Bruins, which is, if you just told me that in the preseason at this point, I would have said you're crazy. Bruins but the, got goalie problems right yeah, now, the, though. Yeah, the Bruins are, are a mess. Rask is hard. I, I think they're right around where they should be. They're right around where they should be. So they could be right around Montreal, but I think they're in the perfect spot.
0: So uh, if you want to place your bets 18 to 1. I, so uh, another way to phrase this would be, do the Wild win the Stanley Cup more than one in every eighteen times or so? And like if they ra- if they ran the Stanley Cup playoffs eighteen times, would mm-hmm. the Wild hoist the Stanley Cup at least once?
2: Yeah.
0: I think the I think the answer is yes. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to sit close. here and and uh, pretend to know enough about like the Islanders and some of the Eastern Conference teams you might have to well, contest with at some point, but. I think my I'm question. Say, I'm going to say that they, if you ran it 18 times, they would at least win it once.
2: I think my question is this: it's it's twofold about the abs. One, does Grubauer in, in goal stay healthy? Because if he does, he's been great, uh, but he's been hurt. I think he got hurt twice last season. And then my second question about the abs is: do they apply themselves consistently? Because they are an in and out team, and when they're in, they're not going to be beat. But they sort of get lackadaisical. And I I thought that they played the first. I don't know, the first 10 games of this year sort of, eh, whatever. And like, did not look good. And then they flipped a switch and they looked fantastic. But if they're, if they are going to, uh, if they can stay healthy, especially in goal, and they apply themselves throughout the playoffs, they are so damn good right now. They're real good. They are fantastic. In fact, I saw them last night, boys. So I figured it out. I figured out what the, I figured out, while last night was not necessarily positive, I actually came away from last night feeling optimistic, and here's why. So the Avs right now are to the Wild as the Blackhawks were previously. They're just a better team. Like Like, it doesn't make the Wild bad. They're not bad. But the difference between the two teams and the skill is clearly, or, or it used to be advantage Blackhawks, and now it's advantage Avs, okay? But if you recall, back then with the Blackhawks, that wild team was pretty much capped out on talent. And, like, they could try and add guys, but, like, that that was, I mean, I'll go through the entire list. Parisi and Suter and Grandland and Scandella, and you weren't going to add a lot to that. Like, you had your guys. And your guys weren't as good as their guys, and there really was not much that you could do about that. The nice thing here is the Wild's playing pretty well. The Wild has talent, but the Wild is not yet even close to being, I don't think, what they're going to be. And, and the starting point to me is Kaprizov and, to a little bit of a lesser degree, Fiala give you a starting point that you never had back in the Blackhawks days. Mm-hmm. So, so, what I take away from this is the ABS are the superior team to you, but you're on the come here. Like you're not capped out. You're you're not trying to compete, and you're saying, "Oh boy, you know our guys are good, but they're not this good." You're saying that, but you're saying that with talent coming up and more building to be done. This is a really good place to be as far as as the next step or two should get you at least closer to where the the abs are. And I'm going to give you my prime example of that right now is, so the Wild takes a one-rip lead in the first period last night. Colorado comes back in the second, and they score four goals. And the Wild looks awful, and the Wild gets blown off the ice. The furious rallies then appear in the third and score three goals, and and the abs score one more and win five to four. The Wilds' whole postgame thing was we let down in the second period. We've got to be in their face. We've got to slow them down, blah, 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 okay? That's not how privately, that's not how I think they see it or should see it. The day is going to come where where you say our talent can match your talent. Like, if my whole thing is, I'm going to get in your face, right? Like, that's the old school thing. I'm going to get in your, and I'm going to disturb you, and I'm going to slow your guys down. We're going to muck it up. That's exactly right, right? We're going to play our system. I'm not saying that's not important, but what I really like about the Wild is they are headed in the direction of the day coming where they can say, screw it. We can match you, and that's where it's going to get fun.
0: And that was always sort of the checkmate with the Blackhawks. Like, I mean— because hockey is a razor-thin advantage sport either way, like bad teams can be good teams just like baseball, the checkmate for the Wild was they were never going to be able to match talent with Chicago's, for sure, their top line. And even in a couple of those years, it was like you looked at Chicago's second line, and it was like, oh, my God, that would be the Wild's first line. Um, Maybe put Zach Parisi in there somewhere. And so it sounds like what you're saying is, you don't have that glass ceiling on this team because you might be able to match Colorado's top line in a year. Let's say you add a center or something, right? Like that you might just have the better top line or at least an equal top line, and then it becomes about filling out the depth of your roster so that your third line can maybe get you a goal in the second period or do some work. That was, you were always starting from a point of you can't match Chicago's top line. So you have to come up with ways systematically to muddy the game up, or or maybe maybe you get lucky in your fourth line. Maybe Eric Howla gets hot for a couple games or something. Like that was literally <laughs> what they were banking on against right. like Chicago, right? You're right. So, so the way you paint it, and now they still have to put in the work. They still have to acquire some talent or hit on a couple draft picks and develop. Like It's still up to them to fulfill the upside here, but I like the way you painted it, and it makes a lot of sense. How how wide is Colorado's window right now? Like How many years of... Of top of the conference or in the mix among two or three teams, dominance are we looking at? From how 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 long are they going to have to deal with Colorado?
2: Jack, you want to take that?
1: Yeah, they're going to be dealing with them for a while. I mean, Scott's twenty eight, McKinnon I believe is still twenty five, twenty six. Like God, I mean, he debuted still in still on his 18-year-olds. first contract, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's still
2: on it. He's um, playing for nothing, Phil.
1: Yeah, Tyson, uh, not Tyson Berry. Excuse me, Cal McCarr is an absolute stud. Like they have pillars yeah. on the forwards. Cal McCarr is one of the best defensemen. In the game, they're gonna they're gonna. I don't think they'll have the stranglehold like the Blackhawks did, where they won three cups in what was it six years or something like that. They haven't won one with this group yet, but I do think them and Vegas have an, a slight advantage on the Wild. Where I think where it's also important where Minnesota can get into the conversation is as volatile as the position of goaltending is. The Wild have found goaltending, like they found it with Talbot, they have found it with Capo. Where before, when you were trying to make those runs, you were running out Brzgalov. Kemper, Backstrom was a shell of himself. Dubnik had a nice little run, but by then Rollison. you weren't able to do anything. Yeah, I could keep going down the list. Where you at least had yeah. you have the goaltending part figured out. And I will say that's the toughest key to figure out. Like Grubauer for Colorado is good, but I can see him going south quickly. And that that's if you're a Colorado fan, I would think your goaltending is what you should be most concerned with because everything Absolutely. else is there.
0: Absolutely. This is actually like Judd and I for years on this show have talked about the two paths of sports joy and if you're if your team isn't on one of those paths then it just leads to like you want to trade everyone and rebuild there's the there's the championship level sports joy that we never experience here where your team is the best and you're going to win it all and and you just get to celebrate at that top level like boston sports fans did for 20 years right well the wild are on the other track which is sort of unexpected nothing to lose success right now like they popped a little earlier than people maybe thought. I don't think people thought they were going to be as good as they have been this year and they're going to get to the playoffs. And I think anything they do in the playoffs is sort of considered a bonus right now. Like, if they get beat in the first round, you're not going to sit there and be like, what a failure, right? It's, right. it's it, This season will be a success getting to the playoffs and just you know compete in the first round. But if they win a couple series and make a run to the conference finals or something, I mean, it'll be just like the unexpected success gravy train for this team and the fan base. And then the expectations will start in, in 2021, 22. So
2: where does youth joy fit in to the equation too? And by that, I, I mean, Ant, uh, Kaprizov, mm-hmm. like there is, if, if this team was just competing hard and they were, you know, decent team and you take away Kaprizov, my excitement, not the same. Like I'm like, oh, the, they work harder. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you start to add when you start to add dynamic potential superstars, which I think Ant is potentially, and I know Kaprizov is, like that that takes the the jo- the potential joy and builds it because I think it makes the expectation more real. Like if you are, I, I think we got to a point. With Parisi, especially, where we said, you know what, he is a quality, good player, but he's not a superstar, right? And he's and and for a period of time, he was probably, at least as the forwards go, their best forward. So the thing about like Kaprizov or Ant or when Buxton can play, uh, you've got this anticipation of what could get you there. Like you can sort of see it, right? The pieces being put mm-hmm. together. You can see it unfolding and how. And, and it's not just we got to go, you know, muck it up in the corners or work hard. It's no, you've got a player who could potentially score that key goal and is comfortable doing it.
0: I feel like you get at least two or three years in hockey and in, and in basketball when you get that superstar player or a couple superstar players. And they're 19, 21 years old, somewhere in there. You get like two or three years of grace period for the team that hey eventually the team success will come but like these guys we get to watch these fun young players and you know, baseball to some extent individual players don't have quite the same impact in baseball because they only come to the plate you know four or five times a game um, but then after like two or three years you start to look around the room and say all right all right it's time to oh yeah time to get time to get to the playoffs time to make a run here <laughs> oh, but yeah you know, with Kaprizov, you know the team success has come pretty quickly because he's so impactful and influential as a great young player, and so the, I think the incubation process as a fan base of oh we get to watch this young player and then if they can add a couple more pieces it's like he is so good that he's just making them a playoff team right now not single handedly because they have other players too but like, uh, with the Timberwolves you know I don't really care if they next year I'd like to see them flirt with the playoffs but I really just want to see steps forward and I want to see Ant turn into a superstar. And then the next year, I'm going to start, all right, getting a little angsty. So, yeah, so championship-level success, which we never experience, unexpected success and runs, which happen once in a while, and then just the joy of watching young, great players do their thing independent of team results. I think that's really all we have right now. <laughs> We've
2: got the last yeah. <laughs> <We laughs> two.
0: Maybe just one on. of them. Outside of that, Mrs. Lincoln, been a great play. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you are watching or listening to our show on a broken-down device of some kind of phone a tablet or a laptop might be time to break down and get a new one here especially for the playoff run that's about to take But you want to be watching watching those games on a smartphone if you're out and about in minnesota the uh, the wild games on a broken down cracked phone whamatek Mm-mm. is a trusted supplier of pre-owned cell phones tablets and laptops and new accessories they source pre-owned devices directly and pass the savings on to you guys they'll even buy your old device for cash buy sell trade in whatever you need Wamatek is a local company that will take great care of you. Find them online at whamatech.com. That's W-A-M-A-T-E-K dot com. Over on Purple Daily today, we're going to dive into the Jeff Gladney news that came down yesterday and, uh, and the arrest and the reports, just the, the heinous details in those reports, what it means for the Vikings. And so we'll do a dive into that. On tomorrow's shows, write that down predictions on both Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily uh, some stuff came off the board. I had a lot of things I think that were wrong. How am I batting average? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a slump here. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a slump. It's oh, really? Good. I yeah. think I called the Declan sophomore slump starting in April. You did. At the oh, between of the April year. and October. Oh, oh you didn't write that
1: down about it, didn't you? I think, it, mm-hmm. I think you said nice word. It, dipped, it would dip below 250? After,
0: it, after April, I think I, I can't remember what I said, okay. but it definitely, I'm still sitting it, it, pretty there. I'm still doing okay there.
1: I'd yeah, have to really, I'd it, have to I really I hit I the I snide I here. I and there I might be some it? more uh, Juan Pierre bunt singles. I'm gonna be dragging up the line tomorrow. That might be. Oh boy, that. nobody <laughs> likes bunters.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, that's a wrap on today's Mackie and Judge show presented by our friends at Federate, and we'll see you guys tomorrow.
2: The South Dakota Stories, Volume Two. I could see
0: beyond the Black Hills and the way they called for exploration. I could feel the air, the way it paints against skin and fills hungry lungs. I could hear
2: the way the water ran for miles and the way the bison grazed, the way our boots meet the earth as we step past expected. I could imagine my time in South Dakota, and I wish to go back, because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.